It's the Lowdown on Sports 1440, brought to you by Wolf GMC Buick. New name, it's same great team. Find them on the corner of 184th Street and Stony Plain Road. I retweeted the survey. Do you tune in for the content of the show or the typing? Currently typing 80%, content 20 Well, it was going to come sooner or later. Time now for In the Community. Christmas has arrived at United Sport and Cycle. A fourth-generation family-owned and operated business in the heart of Old Strathcona. United's been supporting hockey in our community for 95 years. Most of them, Steve Lansky has been a shopper. He joins us now from Big Mouth Sports. Mr. Lansky, how are you, sir? I'm great. I love shopping at United Sports. Absolutely love it. I wish they had one in Calgary. Well, you know, but that's then you just come up and visit us when you when you come. So it's all good. I do. That's yeah. exactly what I do. All right. So I want to start with the question that was sent into us uh, earlier today on Twitter because I think it's a really interesting one, and I think you would be ideal. And we've talked about it before, but how does the media? How do people decide who to hire for color commentary, and what it, what is it based on? Oh. Well, uh, the short answer is it's based on nothing. It's based on your friendships. So what happens is, and, and every path, you know, Greg Millen's path is different than John Garrett's, is different than Louis DeBrus, is different than Gary Galley's, is different than Craig Simpson's. But there, is, there are common threads at the beginning. And usually what happens is a player, while they're still a player, looks in the mirror one day and goes, hmm, I'm going to have to do something after hockey. I wonder what I would like to do. And then they plant a seed in their head that they might like to do some broadcasting. And then what happens is they become buddies through whatever method. So I'll use Gary Dornhofer in his example. Gary Dornhofer was injured one time and chatted up Hockey Night in Canada's executive producer at the time, Don Wallace. And he became buddies with Don. And really, that would be the way to do it, because then what happens is when Gary retires and he phones Don and says, hey, I'm looking for a job, Don goes, oh, yeah, I remember Gary. We interviewed him one time. It was a pretty good interview. Whether it was or not is irrelevant. Gary could talk. Let's give him a shot. I swear to God, I wish it was more complicated than that, but it is not. It's who you know and who you befriend and and everything goes from there. The only reason Don Cherry got on the air is because Ralph Mellenby thought he'd be good, and Don buddied up with Ralph, and Don was on the air for whew, 40 years, darn near. So it, it really is no more complicated than that, and I wish it was scientific, because then we would weed a lot of pretenders out. What I remember most about Gary Dornhofer, and this is a thing about me, because it's not a, like he would instead of saying Johnny on the spot, he'd say Jolly on the spot. And and I, I cannot tell you how I, it should. I should have just let it go, but I could not let it go, Steve. I don't know why you would let it go. I remember it and I didn't like it, but it's obviously what he grew up with. And it, the, the thing is, a producer probably wouldn't guide him away from that because he's given you a little personality, a little look into Dorney. And some analysts are very technical uh, with their analysis, and some are able to mold technical with humor. John Davidson and Harry Neal were the absolute two best at that. I don't even think 
anybody gets close. I mean, John Garrett could sniff it a little bit, but J.D. and Harry were the two best. And again, Harry got his job because he was buddies with somebody at TSN, and John Davidson got his job because he was buddies with somebody at Hockey Night in Canada. Well, I will leave in like Flynn, in like Flint for another time, but I will say in like <laughs> Flynn is a phrase, in like Flint was a movie, and we'll just leave it at that. Um, correct, correct, yeah. Thank you, I appreciate that. So yeah. let's get to the Oilers. It's been, you know, this year is, is like, I think books will be written about this season. It's The league is 100 years old. The November Oilers defied everything in being ghastly and then good in the same month and they're the same players for crying out loud I'll t- and you know what you could call the book they're the same players for crying out loud but <laughs> it, it absolutely proves the point that you and I have talked about before the game has nothing or little to do with talent physically now it's everybody is equal except for about four guys who are above everybody else. But even that doesn't make a difference. The game is played with your emotions and in your head. That's the only place it's played. If you convince yourself you're a winner, you're a winner. If you convince yourself you're a loser, you're a loser. There's only one trick, how to convince yourself of the one you want and execute it. It really isn't that complicated, but that's the voice in the room, the coach, the general manager, the captain, the team leaders, they're the ones who set that tone. So, and, uh, yeah, go ahead. Well, should they just hire a hypnotist? You know what? I'm, I'm not going to lie. If I take over a team tomorrow, I hire a, you call it what you want, but it's going to be a confidence coach. It's going to be somebody who is just there. You know, Maxie Offenberger, I don't know if you remember him, Glenn hired him with the Oilers, and Maxie was... Um, I don't know if he was a trained or, um, you know, professional psychologist or psychiatrist, but that was Maxie's job. And I met Maxie, and Maxie was a wonderful person, but that was his job, was to talk to the players and just have a space and an outlet for those Oilers players at that time. You could do way worse as a team than have somebody like that on staff just to get the guys going in the right direction. It sounds silly, but I don't think it is. I've always had a theory that Sparky Anderson was more successful than his teams should have been because he was so positive. Is that sort of along the same lines? Well, it is. And and to me, uh, the name that pops into my head is Billy Martin. Now, Billy Martin didn't pat you on the back all the time, and I thought Billy Martin was a brilliant tactician, but I also think Billy Martin knew how to how to you know, use his players like puppets almost. He did. And, I agree. Right. And just send the right guy out there and give the right guy a boost of confidence and tell Thurman Munson he was the greatest catcher in the history of the game, stuff like that. It, it doesn't take much. I mean, athletes are fragile at the best of times emotionally. And I think that's okay because none of us get 100% of everything. But when you have that, that bit of emotional fragility and – your job is based on performance. Well, that makes it even a little more pr- fragile because, you know, when you and I are done today, it's subjective how we did. But boy, oh boy, when you're keeping score and you lose 3-2, all the subjectivity goes out of it. You lost 3-2. That's hard emotionally. It is. Easier for some than others. You know, there'd be some like 
to me, Bobby Clark never wavered. Bob, you know, you could never convince him anything other than the sun was shining and it was a beautiful day. And he, Bobby Clark, was a winner. But not everybody's like that. And I think it's a, it's a rare breed that can play with those emotions and win. So I'm going to bring it back to our original conversation about getting the best hockey guy on television. Here's what I'd like. I'd like, do you know, have you watched the NBA halftime with, uh, with Charles and, and Shaq, uh, that, that group? And they're very honest. Yeah. They're very funny. Yeah. They're very forthright and they are not filtered. In fact, I am absolutely certain that there are 10 lawyers sweating in a room while that thing is on. And yet it is the most compelling sports talk that I see. And so, how if you were starting out like you were a new network the 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 Lensky network and you had like a game a week in the NHL and you wanted to hire somebody to do really good commentary who would you get and how would you train them and what would you tell them not to do yeah great question so first of all you put out a call that you're looking for analysts and you will get so many tapes you won't know what to do with them now the here's where the trick comes you have to be the right person to listen for certain things. And I'm not going to lie to you, Al. In my whole time in television, my whole time, I can only think of three producers who ever did that. And I'm not including myself because I don't know where I rate. John Shannon, Ralph Mellenby, and a guy named Mark Askin in Toronto could do that, could listen to an analyst and go, "Mm, this is good, this needs to get better, this needs to get worse. I think the key is you've got to be relaxed, You've got to know what you're talking about. But here's the most important part today. Because back in the day, sometimes we only rolled in one replay after a goal. It's all we had time for. Everything was analog. Now it's digital. Now you're going to get a bunch of replays. I don't need a play-by-play in my replay. So if if I was dry running a guy, I'd say, hey, I'm going to show you a bunch of, a bunch of replays, and I want you to talk through them and see what they give me. And every time you hear a commentator say, hey, watch this on this replay. Watch that. I love what he did here. Those are good comments. And the thing is, Al, not everybody's cut out for it. Howie Meeker was on Hockey Night forever because Ralph Mellenby knew what his best role was. Howie wasn't in the booth all the time. He was up there occasionally with Jim Robson and sometimes with Steve Armitage. But Ralph knew the guy's role. The problem is these guys get miscast, and then their you know, producers are scared to death to change that casting, and they shouldn't be. So for me, Howie Meeker replaced Bob Goldham, and, and one of the reasons I loved Howie so much was Bob Goldham would, was monotone. He sat in a chair, and when he used the telestrator, and I believe he did, he would, like, he'd circle it, and you'd see it live, and it was, it was plodding. It didn't come alive. And they have all of these wonderful graphics and things that they can show now, but after a while, the eye gets trained, and it doesn't stand out. What can the modern commentator do, or somebody who's got a TV screen and showing a highlight, what, like, for me, I want to see the. I want to see what happened before the goal, and I want to see the other day. Nurse apparently uh, in the before the faceoff, he told Nuge to find an outlet, and he'd find him, and he did, and it ended up being a breakaway goal. Man, I'd like to isolate. Not that I could ever read the words, but just see the moment that it happened. You know, Al, it's there's ten moving parts, and what you want, and I agree with you. What you want is making sure every one of those ten moving parts hits the right cog. You know, Bob, and we talk about Bob Goldham. He got his job because he knew George Retzlaff. 
that was producing Hockey Night in Canada at that time. So nothing's ever changed. It's always been the same. But the trick is, tell me why the puck went in. Did the goalie lose the net? Did the defenseman lose the forward? Did this happen? Did that happen? And one of the things I was taught as a producer, again, by John Shannon, is watch the damn game when you're in the truck. If you see something, because I'm not going to you know, blow any horns, but we knew the game pretty well when we were in the truck. You've got to know the game pretty well. Yeah. And you say, hey, J.D., watch this. Nurse is talking to Nuge before the faceoff. Analysts eat that stuff up if they're good analysts. You don't have to break it down 17 ways from Sunday. You have to say, hey, here's how players communicate on the ice. Watch this. I don't know if you can read his lips, but he tells Nuge he's going to find him. That's how you communicate on the ice. Sometimes it's unspoken. Sometimes it's spoken. But that's why it's a benefit if you play together for a long time. I'm just making this crap up right now as I'm talking to you. Yeah. But, those are the t- those, but those are the types of things that the viewer wants to hear, not a play-by-play or the words, as you can see. No crap, I can see it. I'm looking right at it. See, stop I, saying it. I think I was listening. I was on the ra- I was on the road doing something last night during the game, and Bob mentioned that that uh, Hyman. I think it was I think it was Hi- or Kane, Drysaddle, and McDavid were out for a faceoff, and they dropped Nuge. Uh, and Cam Moon said that Nuge isn't out there. And then Bob said, uh, "Oh, you know, there's a skate problem. I can see it from here. There's a skate problem. That's what I want. I, I like. I don't." I, like I know that people have insight, and I know that you got, I, I understand radio. You've got to fill time, but tell me something I simply would not know unless you saw it and you told it to me. That's the key. And Al, how do you tell me something I don't know? Well, you have to know it, and that gets tricky when you have analysts that just don't know how to do anything other than talk. And the problem is. So many of them get hired because they talk and talk and talk and talk. And at the end, what did they say? Well, I'm not really sure. F for fail. I loved Gary Unger. I loved Ryan Walter. I worked with both of them. They were both charming to have dinner with. They were both horse bleep on the air because they couldn't get the car to the garage and they couldn't tell me anything that I didn't already know. Ungi played on feel completely when he was a player. He scored tons. He couldn't tell you how he scored any one of his goals. <laughs> well, guess what? Guess what? That's not going to translate into good hockey, into good analysis. It's just not. What can you tell me about that play? Hey, watch Curry here. Watch what Curry does and how he got behind that defenseman. I don't want you to watch anything else. I just want you to watch that. That's great analysis. At home, you're making me do a little work. Never bad. When I become catatonic at home, you failed, man. <laughs> Lansky, you rock. You got to bottle that stuff. You could sell it for, well, not as much as your wife's jam, but you could sell it for a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, sir. All right. Have a great weekend, my friend. You too, man. All right. There's Steve Lansky from Big Mouth Sports. On the way, Tato Uremchuk, we're going to ask him about Warren Fogle. He mentioned that he's trade bait. We'll find out next. This is the Lowdown with Low Tide on Sports 1440. It's the Lowdown. On Sports 1440, we're driven by Wolf GMC Buick, corner of 184th Street and Stony Plain Road. Say hi to Doug today. Joined now by our dear friend, our good friend. We lost him. See, that's what happens. Uh, You know, we call people 
and then they realize they're coming on the show and they just hang up. They're like, what have I done with my life? What got me to the point where at 124 on a Friday afternoon, I got to talk to this guy? Like, what What did I do in life to deserve this this event that I got to talk to low tide on a Friday afternoon? I could be having a beer. I could be with my girl. And yet I got to talk to this schmuck for like 15 minutes and then just hang up. Is he there? Okay. We're now joined by Tyler Grimchuk. How are you, sir? Yeah, I'm good. I heard all that. You know I love doing these hits, and you know I'm not done work. Come on, Low Tide. It's a Friday. I got podcasts to do. Oh, come on. You're flying. By the way, I saw somebody say that you should just do all of them, that you're the best one over there. Did you see that one? Uh, no, I didn't, and I can't let my I can't let that get to my head. Wow. I was like, wow, because got, you got good people over there. Frank's excellent, you know. Got the nice hair going. You know, how did you like your trip to Philly? Was he was he as, as gracious a host as I bet he was? Oh, yeah. Frank's the absolute best. Love hanging out with him. Five days, did a ton. Went to Atlantic City, which isn't that far from Philly, I learned. Uh, went to the Bills Eagles game, which was a ton of fun. It was an awesome trip. So did you know the words to Atlantic City? Uh, no. You don't? You didn't, no. you didn't, you didn't, when you were driving into Atlantic City, you didn't sing, well, they blew up the chicken man in Philly last night? No, I did not. Okay. All right. I, I did not listen to it, but I, I saw somebody saying that you said Warren Fogel is trade bait. Please explain. Frank Saravalli has Warren Fogel on his first trade targets board of the year, and I think it's, it shouldn't come as a surprise. I mean, if the Oilers want to make a meaningful addition to either their blue line or forward group or between the pipes, they are likely going to need to shed some salary. And Warren Fogel, with his cap it, sticks out like a sore thumb in the Oilers' bottom six, right? It's $2.75 million on a winger who produces offense rather inconsistently. So if you can find a team that's willing him to take willing to take him off your hands or even give you an asset for him, like the Chicago Blackhawks did with Anthony Beauvillier, and the Canucks, then you probably do it because it's going to make your life easier ahead of the deadline. So I don't think they're shopping him, but I think they need to be open to moving him. Well, it's interesting because I do think that, that you know, CeCe's playing well enough. I, I know they like Kulak on the third pair, and Fogel is a lot, but you'd need Holloway in to replace him, right? Like if you're going to trade him for something else that's not another winger, uh, if you're going to trade Fogel for that, Holloway would be the natural person to, I guess, you know, replace him. Yeah, I think if, uh, like, I mean, long-term-wise, absolutely. The other side of it is, you know, if you can get out from that $2.75 million and let's say you want to go add a defenseman that's 50% retained, like, you can also probably go find a winger somewhere who's $1 to $1.5 million, get them 50% retained and bring in some depth that way. I don't think that would be a crazy ask. But also, yeah, I think having Dylan Holloway, once he's healthy, slide into that third-line role. I think that's a spot he can thrive in before he got hurt. Like, remember, he had that really good game down in Seattle. So the the Habs signed Sam Montembeau, and there's a player that, that had been rumored coming to Edmonton, whether or not that was ever talked about, we don't know. Does that mean they check down to, to uh, Jake Allen or Caden Primo, or do you, do you think it might be a, a Columbus goalie, or maybe they'll just recall Jack Campbell? Yeah, I think you nailed it there with the third option. I think it's becoming abundantly clear that this team is going to give Jack Campbell one more shot this season between the pipes. And if I'm being totally honest, I don't hate it. I think they should wait until a little bit later into December because I think just given how the schedule goes and the fact you have a five-day break right now, then another one around Christmas, you can end games against teams like the Chicago Blackhawks. You can give Pickard a start or two over your next 10 or 11 
the workload on Skinner shouldn't be too much because of all those extended breaks. And you can give Jack Campbell, again, two, three, maybe four more starts down in Bakersfield. Let him get fully confident. Bring him back up for the end of December, early January. Give him a look. And if it's not going to work, then you know you need to go make a trade. And if it does work, maybe you've saved yourself a third-round pick and some cap space that you can use on something else. You get a phone call from the Oilers today from Hockey Ops, and they want to know what do you think you should do or they should do with Philip Broberg. What's the call? Ooh, wow, is that ever a tough one? I, I I think they should play him a little bit, if I'm being totally honest. But the way Vinny DeHarnay is going, it's like, well, he doesn't deserve to be taken out of the lineup. And the forward group looks good, so you don't want to go 11-7. and seven. So Philip Broberg's just in no man's land, where does going down to Bakersfield really help him at this point? I don't know how sold I am on that. Does working with Paul Coffey help him? Yeah, potentially. I think where we're heading here, Low Tide, is this team's going to be in win-now mode, or they are in win-now mode. They're going to be approaching the trade deadline like a team in win-now mode. It wouldn't surprise me if Philip Broberg is trade bait when we're talking about this team and potential moves in February and March and trying to upgrade this team because, listen, their top four is set in for the next couple of seasons here. Like Cody Cece's under contract still for next season. Brett Kulak's under contract for a number of years. Their left side, I should say, is locked in for the next few years. I don't know if there's a natural spot for Broberg to slide in, and if you're not convinced of him being a top-four option for you in the next year or two, it's probably smartest to cash in on whatever value's left there. I think that's very fair. What? How deep would it go? I know the first-round pick will be in play for this and next year, 24 and 25. Second-round pick is available in the 24 draft. Uh, we've talked about Broberg, uh, Lavoie, Borgo. Is, is Holloway there? Uh, how deep would you go on the prospect list? Anybody and everybody? I think so. I think Holloway's, you know, a contributor on your NHL team when he's healthy, so you probably want to hold off on moving him this year. And he should be a cost-effective third-line winger for you for the next number of seasons. So I think you keep a piece like Dylan Holloway. I think everyone else is on the table in the right move. If someone wants to give you a lot for Xavier Borgo or if some team, I should say, values him highly, then... Yeah, go out, trade him for a guy like, you know, if you can have Borgo and a pick and a cap dump for Travis Konechny, like, giddy up, let's go do it. If he's the cost of getting out of Jack Campbell, maybe you have to swallow your pride a little and do that too. Uh, the one name who, Lotad, you, you might like this, I, I think Max, Max Warner might be untouchable. I think he actually may have leapfrogged Philip Broberg on the organizational hope chart here. Yeah, I think that's fair. He really is good, and he's he's young. He just got starting pro started pro hockey, and he's playing really really well. Um, the 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 list you've given me there, I think, is is certainly got everything surrounded. If Bo Aiki was the ask, if the price was good enough, do you trade that? Like he's he's just got here and he's injured out for the year. Um, but if a team wanted him as the prospect in return, would you consider that? Yeah, they're going to value him significantly higher than his draft slot. I think you do. I mean, we we saw Ken Holland do it last year with Reed Schaefer, right? They just picked the guy. Nashville said they wanted him, and Ken Holland focused on on improving the NHL team. Said absolutely. So, I, I think you shouldn't have any untouchables right now. If there is a player that you think transforms your blue line or gives you a legitimate thirty plus goal pace scorer that you can add mid season to the forward group, like you got to do it. Like, again, this is Stanley Cup or bust stuff. This is where the Oilers are at. 
as much as you need prospects who can slide in and give you cost-effective minutes and play on their ELCs and all of that stuff, you also need to win playoff rounds this year. So I just don't think they're in a position where they can be hugging every prospect. Our guest is Tyler Gramchuk on Sports 1440. I want to get a lay of the land. I know what you do, and I know what Bag Milk does. What does Zach Lang do? He's sitting in the room next to me right now, cranking out 200 articles a day, it seems. He's always writing. Okay. And, like, is he is he a good guy? Is it Like, if you said, hey, could you get me a coffee, would he? Oh, yeah, he definitely would. He's always okay. lurking around and looking to have little conversations. He's the best. Yeah. Who's the hardest worker over there not, not named you? Well, now I can't answer the question, Low Tide. Come on. Well, I'm, uh, back in the day, you would have. You would have. You would have told me I wasn't working. So, you know, what the? Uh, is it Kennedy Trash? Is she the one not working? Uh, she's also sitting in the room next to me right now. And yes, she is our resident genius. I love her work. <laughs> I do too. She's very good. All right, so you're not giving me anything there. Uh, I want you to tell me if the orders are going to make, aside from Jack Campbell, a move between now and the end of January. What would it be? The end of January. Yes. Um, I think the most likely thing would be Jack Campbell comes back, he doesn't play well, and they're forced to go get James Reimer by the end of January just to go add some kind of a goalie. I think every other move, blue line, forward group, whatever, that'll wait till closer to the deadline. So what, what's the weekend plan? Is it Are you partying like uh, you used to, or are you settling down as a human now? Low tide. I'm working tonight. Golden Bears, McEwen Griffins down at Claire Drake Arena. I'll have the call. A little cross city rivalry. It's going to be awesome hockey down at the Drake tonight. All right. Second question. Why do you, when do you sleep? I'll, well, I'll sleep tomorrow because there's no Oilers hockey this weekend, and uh-huh. my bills don't play. So, geez, I got the full weekend off from sports. I'll just be sitting nervously scrolling Twitter, waiting for Otani to sign. So, uh, the bills. Do you want to talk about it? Ugh, not really, honestly. It's heartbreaking, but I still think they got an outside shot. The the, I mean, what happened, friend? They just they've lost too many coin flip games, like the too many men against Denver. That should have been a win. Jake Elliott makes a miracle field goal. That should have been a win. Like it's just been very frustrating. They should honestly, like those two games should be wins. They should be eight and four, and that's why I think they're good enough to go win four of their last five and make the playoffs. All right. Okay. I I, I don't I don't I don't want them to miss the playoffs because I think they're a fun team. But man, they're yeah they're making it hard on themselves. All right. Have a great weekend. Enjoy the call. You too. See you, Ted. All right, there you go. There's our friend Tyler Yaremchuk. Good man. Good man, Yaremchuk. He's doing very well, by the way. He's doing very well. The, the people that I talk to who are industry insiders say he's a rising star. And that is good because he's a good fellow. I still think there should be the backup sound when he's walking backwards, though, with those giant feet. you got to let people know. You just do. Do you have any kind of unusual part of you? Like, no. Did your hair grow quickly or? No, I got a lot of cowlicks. That's about it, though. I'm pretty regular. Cowlicks? How many yeah. cowlicks? Two? No, I probably got like three. Wow. Yeah. Now that makes it hard, deal. right? As your hair grows longer, is it more difficult or is it, do you keep it short and then it's difficult? Mm, it's kind of, it's, I mean, with the cowlicks, it's pretty difficult to style anyway, but, uh, it, when it's short, the cowlicks are so prevalent and so strong. It mm. makes, uh, it makes for a tough time. When it, when it's longer, it grows into it a little bit. Does it make you feel like you're a little boy? You know, cause it's kind of a little kid look. 
A little bit. Yeah. No, I yeah. get that. But that's just because I have all the childlike wonder in me, you know? Sure. So it, you, it works. You make up for it with brilliance and knowledge. You're a very knowledgeable guy. Well, thank you. I try my hardest. You don't You don't let on that you are, but it's in there. Every once in a while, it just strolls out and takes a walk. It's way in. deep down there. It's yeah. way, it's buried, but yeah. it's in there. All right. The Bakersfield Condors play tonight, and I've got the lineups for you. We're going to talk about that next, and we're going to preview Jason Greger's show too. After the break, this is the Lowdown with Low Tide on Sports 1440. It's the Lowdown with Low Tide on Sports 1440, presented by Wolf GMC Buick. New name, it's same great team. Find them on the corner of 184th Street and Stony Plain Road. So, Bakersfield Condors have sent out their projected lines and pairings. Olivier Rodrigue starts tonight. He's a wonderful young goaltender. Uh, he's sort of been put on the back burner because they're auditioning Jeff Campbell. Well, they're not auditioning. They're playing him a lot so he can get back to the NHL. But he will play tonight, and then Campbell will play tomorrow night. Deneen Warner. Warner is the talk of the town. He's an up-and-coming. I've got my top 20 orders prospects coming out this weekend at The Athletic. And Warner is, uh, I think he's the biggest mover on the list. Deneen and Warner, Peters and Kemp, Nima Linen and Gleason. And so from that list, there are some veteran guys, Hoffenmeyer not playing. And we'll see how that goes. And then lines are McKegg with Petrov and Borgo, Peterson with Kajula and Wright. Cameron Wright looking very good. He's an AHL contract, but he looks good. Malone with Lavoie and Griffith. Grub with Savoy and Cambites. Grub scored the other night when he's playing very briefly with Griffin, Griffith. Uh, so do you have Jason Greger? I know he's got Ryan Holt on. Ryan's one of my favorite guests. Uh, what else have we got? We got Cam Tate with the two-minute warning. First of all, yes, Ryan Holt will be by at 2.20. Cam Tate's going to be here for the two-minute warning at 2.40. Olympic gold medalist Lorianne Munzer by at 3 o'clock. Mike Rubb for the NHL report can be by at 3. Co-host Wanye Gretz, the, Gretz, the Friday staple, is going to be in at 4. He's going to be there till the end of the show. Craig Button at 4.20. Mark Spector at 5, and then one very, very special guest at 520. It is Low Tide from the Low, oh, wow. low Tide. Yeah. How do they have the budget for that one guest? Holy I know, moly. I can't believe it. Everyone else had to take a pay cut to get him on. It's totally as it should be. Wow. All right. So listen for Holt. He's really good. They're all really good, but Holt is excellent. Gives good information. So I see you uh, texting... I know it's the this is the this is the college weekend where they this the champions of of like the Pac ten or the Pac eight or whatever they're calling it now. Yes, conference championship <laughs> right, weekend. Right. It's so tell one. me about it. Well it all gets going tonight. The first game is a central USA game between um New Mexico State and Liberty. That one's gonna be going at five. But if you want to get into the big power five conferences tonight. Washington and Oregon, the number three and number five teams in the country, are going to be playing in the Pac-12 championship. Winner of that is going to punch their ticket to the college football playoff tomorrow. Texas and Oklahoma State in the uh, Big 12 championship. Georgia and Bama in the SEC championship. Michigan and Iowa. Michigan's going to dog walk them. Not going to be much of a game. But that's the Big Ten championship. And then the one that has a lot of question marks about it is Florida State-Louisville in the uh, ACC championship. Florida State is the number four team in the country. They're undefeated. They have good wins against LSU. 
I was going to say Clemson, but it's not. They're overranked. It's not their, that great of a win. But they're missing their quarterback. But if they go undefeated, if they beat Louisville tomorrow, which I expect them to, you have to put them in the college football playoff. But with no quarterback, with no Jordan Travis, how much of a game is it really going to be? So exciting weekend. I'm really looking forward to it. I can't wait. You know me. You know I'm a college football guy. I'm just going to be sitting down watching the games all day. Do you, like, if, if a guy comes to the Elks, do you know who he is? Like from yeah, for the most part, yeah, I would say. Would you do? Do you ever have you ever identified a guy and said, "Man, they should sign this guy," and then, then they did? No, not really, not really. I don't know. I think I, I think I view them more in terms of what their NFL ceiling or floor may be. So that's interesting. Are you going to be tuning in? I mean, there are some great ones. No, no, Notre I don't, Dame, no. I, the, right? the Condors will play. I'll watch that on yeah. TV. That starts at eight or on computer. That's at eight. I'll watch until then, but I probably will have the Washington game on. Washington, Oregon. It's going to be a great on. game. Oregon is nine and a half point favorites. I think I think Oregon deserves to be the favorite. I think Washington's been underwhelming, but Washington beat them. It's a neutral mm. field. They're playing in Vegas, actually. It's a neutral field. I I think it's going to be a close game. I've been I've been texting with our buddy Tosh here. He loves to text in and talk about college football. We've been going back and forth. I think they win thirty five thirty two somewhere in that range. Oregon okay. does. Oregon, right. if that wasn't clear from the text line at one eight three three four zero one fourteen forty. Where do you see Nim Malinen's game heading? He was promising when he came up, but he hasn't really had a sniff since from Stu. Well, Stu, his problem is the same as Broberg's problem. They've stacked him and racked him on the left side of the Edmonton defense because they really are strong there. They have Nurse, they have uh, Eckholm, and they have uh, Kulak. They're veteran guys who are very capable. So uh, Niemelainen is behind Broberg, and Broberg isn't playing. So that's the issue there. I don't think Niemelainen has lost anything. It's just that there's not enough room. Uh, this comes in. Is Warner a solid two-way guy, or what's his style? Haven't seen him play at all. What about Tulio? Is he injured yet? Yeah, Tulio is hurt. He hasn't played this year. He will at some point, but I know he's hanging around the team a little bit and doing various things. Uh, as far as Warner is concerned, he is a shutdown, a mean, nasty shutdown type. And um, I will say that, that the athletic article that's coming out, the top 20 prospects this weekend, I went back and I looked at the last time I had a shutdown type ranked where he is ranked this time and the answer is almost 20 years ago it was a long time ago and so there you go good 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 young player the bills are done the broncos are getting the final wild card man it looks like it water is a liquid okay it's just so much information Great tune, Low Tide. Yeah, Eddie Money, right? Take me home tonight with Ronnie Spector. That was him, yep. Gah, so good. I love Ronnie Spector. You should trade Fogel. Maybe we could have the smallest bottom six in the NHL. That really works come playoff time. There's always somebody out there. If you say, when there are no clouds, the sky is blue, somebody will go, yeah, when there's no clouds, Right. I mean, that's what you hear. It's, I know that you're just reacting, but it's almost impossible to, to you know, take issue with somebody talking about trading Fogel, but people can find a way. Low Tide, Broberg should play the rest of the year in the minors. Sell Kulak next offseason, give that spot to Broberg. That may be what happens. I think the new GM will have an analytics background, and he will know that Broberg is a guy who has some un not yet uncovered talent 
Man, that took a while. And I think Broberg is that guy. And if they might trade him here, but if not, that's likely the process. Hey, the bills are done. Okay. Enough with the bills are done. I don't care, you know. People are mad at Craig Button. I don't know why people are mad at Craig Button. All he does is he's a scout, a former head scout, a former general manager, and he gives his opinion. You do not. I don't know why everybody gets so upset when their opinion doesn't jive on everything. You know, last night, you know what I had for supper? I had two pieces of sourdough bread with peanut butter on it. You know why? Because that's what I wanted. But that doesn't mean you can text the radio station and harangue me about it. I had a sourdough bread is really good. I love it. And I love peanut butter. And I didn't have any peanut butter in my house for like 10 days, which is like the longest I've ever gone since childhood. Man, was it good. Do you like, but you don't like peanut butter. You don't like anything. I love peanut butter. Okay. Don't, don't get on me about that. I love peanut butter. Will you do me a favor? When you send out hour number two, can you make sure that Steve Ricketts SP gets it? Okay. Oh, yeah, I can do that. Because he he would like he we asked a, a question of Lansky that he thought of, and he'd like to hear the answer. And it goes on and on. It's like an eight minute answer. No, Steve is the wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald answer man here. Can't just do it in two. In seriousness, I I did ask him two or three follow ups. Last week I ate a whole sleeve of crackers for supper. I could not afford new normal food. Crackers are good. Get tomato soup and crackers. That's a good meal. Don't need analytics to tell you Broberg isn't good. All you have to do is watch him screw up, Randy. Broberg's, he's fine. Now, the, the, the thing is, they have not tried him up the depth chart. He's been strictly third pair. And, you know, the order's slow play, man. They did with Evan Bouchard, too. So, like, I know you think, well, he's not playing up, he can't be any good, but the orders, that's what they do. They play it like that. I think Broberg's going to have a career. I just don't know if it's here. Same low tide, I had peanut butter and jam toast for dinner. Satisfying from JCD. It's very good. Would you assign Broberg to eight times three? No. I'm crunchy. My family is smooth. I like I like smooth peanut butter. Do you like crunchy or smooth? Crunchy all day. Well, we were so close. But, you know, I don't think we have a lot of food in common. Yeah, probably not. Clam chowder? Yeah, but I like corn chowder, and you went off about poor people having it. No, 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 no. It's no, true. no, I could afford normal food. I just chose crackers. Okay. Imitation Bob, Tom, whatever his name is. I don't even know if he can afford a name. Hey, come on. We love Imitation Tom. <laughs> Not only that. We love he, Imitation Tom. He wrote Tom. originally, I could afford something else, and I misread it, and now I'm just being a dink. Um, who's a better goaltender, Dwayne Rollison or Tommy Sallow? Brandon from the South. Wow. Um, my personal feeling was Dwayne Rollison. You may have a different opinion. Steve is a good soccer coach. Smooth refrigerated. 
Interesting. I've never put peanut butter in the fridge. Does it change it? People keep sending me the hockey news archives. I can't, I paid for it. I still can't get access for it. And I don't know whether they're doing it to just be funny, but it hurts me when I see it. I really want to get in there and I don't know what to do. I sent them a thing. I, 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 I filled out a form that, that said there was a problem and they said, we'll get right back to you. But I like, it's like I'm on a no fly zone and I don't know what I did. Hey, Nick, man, nicknames don't come cheap in this economy. <laughs> From Imitation Tom. Wow, this is the get out of town. This is like management has just had it with him. Get him off the air. Play the music. Get him gone. Just, I mean, it's just so cruel. Why can't I have the normal number of time? Why do I have to have music play? It just seems so unfair. And I like to linger afterwards and visit. But this is ridiculous. It hurts me. Thanks so much for tuning into the Lowdown. Jason Greger on the way. Time for an update.